Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of a brand new BuzzFeed podcast called Rerun, where we talk about our favorite episodes of our favorite TV shows. And I'm Dori Shafrir, the executive editor for Culture at BuzzFeed. And today I am beyond thrilled, delighted, psyched to have as my guest the writer, actress, and editor-in-chief of Rookie, Tavi Gevinson. Hi, Tavi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. So we're going to be talking about an episode of Freaks and Geeks. I'm already like breaking down in tears. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this show, and I'm just so thrilled that you wanted to talk about this show and that you picked such a great episode to talk about, yeah. Dead Dogs and Gym Teachers, um, which was episode 14 of Freaks and Geeks' only season sadly. Mm. Um, And it originally aired in October of 2000, which was almost 15 years ago. I'm assuming that a lot of listeners are familiar with Freaks and Geeks, Mm. but to maybe the like five who aren't, (laughs) what is the show? Can you just kind of talk Uh, about it briefly? Freaks and Geeks takes place in 1980 in a suburb in Michigan. And it's about these two siblings, Sam and Lindsay Weir, and Sam is a freshman and he is a geek and his friends are geeks. And Lindsay was a geek and now she's kind of going through this transition and hanging out with like quote unquote bad kids and uh, experimenting a little bit with experience. Experiment. Well, that's the thing is I don't like she never really like experiments with drugs or sex. She just kind of like experiments with just like what it would be like to be someone for whom those things are not scary. I watched the whole thing in eighth grade. And then when I went into high school, I felt a lot more like I felt like I had a tool for dealing with it. How so? Like in the one that we're going to watch, there's the scene where Bill comes home from school and makes himself a grilled cheese and like a hostess cake or something and like sits in front of the TV. He's watching Gary Shandling. Right. Let's watch that cool. scene. Oh, what a journey. <laughs> We learn a lot about Bill in that minute. Yeah. And the scene is essentially silent. We're just hearing the music. Right. But you see him. He comes home. He makes a grilled cheese. It's like so matter of fact and like routine. He makes his little like cake and he gets a glass of milk and he sits down in front of the TV with a tray and watches Gary Shandling and just like cracks up and has food all over his teeth. There's a part later in the series where Bill... I think the the cheerleader who also played the teen mom on Reba. Oh. I don't know. They're just trying to understand each other. And she, like, seems to not understand how he can, like, be happy if he's not popular or, like, handsome. And he's, like, I watch movies in my head. At the time that I was discovering this show and, like, building my canon of the things that were kind of guiding me through adolescence, it's, like, the only thing still that I feel like on any kind of, like, spiritual way is, like, 
there is something out there that someone else has made that I will relate to and feel very safe because of. This scene is just my like favorite and re- resonated with me so much when I first watched this show because it's just like, what more do you need than like the TV? <laughs> yeah, and in this is also one of the few scenes where we see Bill alone. He's usually we usually see him in the context of Sam and Neil, right? Like mm-hmm. he's one of the three, and here we're really seeing his true self. Yeah. And Martin Starr is just so, he's not like a young actor with like a really well-sculpted face who they put glasses on. He's like a mouth breathing, like his eyes are all magnified. Like I know that they found Harris, the like older nerd, because he was just in the waiting room at the auditions because like his friend was going on an audition. Oh, funny. And they saw him sitting in the corner like on his Game Boy and they were like, that one. It's also funny that Martin Starr is now plays kind of a sleazy dude on Silicon Valley. Isn't that just like what happens to nerds now, though, is that then they run the world? And we also right after the scene we just watched, we see we learn even more about Bill when we see Mm -hmm. his mom come home. Hey, little man. Hey, mom. How was work? Dead. I made 18 bucks in tips today. I mean, how is anybody supposed to live on that, huh? Oh, no, you're not going to start dancing again, are you? No. Good. Besides, they don't want an old broad like me anymore. <laughs> wow. It's true. So, guess what? We're going to have a guest over for dinner tonight. Dad? No. No, this is a, a new friend. Another new friend? It's someone you know. Neil's dad? Vic Schweiber? No. Gross. God, you're kidding me. No, this is somebody that I met at your school. Do you remember when I had to come in for that parent-teacher conference because you were having a hard time at gym? Yeah. Well, I've been... I've been seeing Mr. Fredericks. My gym teacher? Physical education teacher. No, you can't. Honey, he's a really nice guy. No, he's not. He's a jerk. He's a dumb jock. No, he's not. You just you just don't know him very well. I know him better than you do. Believe me. I doubt that. I mean, we've been seeing each other for a little while now. What? Why did you tell me? Because I didn't want you to get upset. I was I was just waiting to see if it was if it was serious or not. It's serious? I think so. You got to you got to you got to dump him. Who's that? Bill has a hot mom. Who used to dance. And also their relationship is such that he's just like, oh no, you're not going to start dancing again. I couldn't tell how I felt about that line. Like it mm-hmm. it felt a little like clumsy exposition. Yeah. You know? Right. Like she's clearly like a struggling single mom. Right. Who is making $18 in tips. Mm-hmm. And her son has all this anxiety about her going back to becoming a stripper. It, like, adds this other layer of tragedy to this whole situation. Yeah. And also when he just says he's a dumb jock, it's like Coach Fredericks personifies every horrible quality about, like, everyone who gives Bill a hard time who's his own age. Totally. Because earlier in the episode, there's a scene in gym class where it's clear Bill is just 
hopeless yeah in gym and that the coach is is such a bully those who can't do teach and those who can't teach teach gym oh i think i mean i you know in my like post high school i don't know i've been out of it for a year now like now i'm like the stereotypes that exist in this show are just like i do think things are just different now Mm -hmm. and also i went to a really big high school where there weren't really clear like i didn't it didn't feel like there were like freaks and geeks Mm -hmm. and nerds and popular people and cheerleaders um and now i'm like oh it's so silly to boil someone down to just like oh he's a dumb jock but i guess at that time or in this fictional world or in the experiences of paul feig who created the show and based a lot of it on his own experiences. That was actually an issue. <laughs> For as much as I like love the show and really and really related to it, I never identified with being like now I'm a freak. But I identified with Lindsay just wanting to like be curious about different things and she just kind of becomes like I don't know, bored. I think she is a little sick of herself. Mm-hmm. She's a little sick of being a mathlete. Yeah. She's a little sick of being the good girl. Mm-hmm. And her grandmother dying just kind of opens up this whole new world of possibilities for her. Like she's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, I better, I better just explore. Right. Cause there's nothing. There's, nothing. there's no reward at the end if you don't. Right. There's also like, cause she has her, former best friend millie who's still a mathlete and is like i mean she the casting of the show my god she's very like why are you doing this come join mathletes again right that relationship is sort of to me feels like a classic trope of eight especially 80s and 90s tv and movies and the way Mm -hmm. that girls in high school were portrayed there was often this Lindsay-esque character. Like, I'm also thinking of, like, Veronica Sawyer, for example. Uh-huh. Um, oh, right. You know, who still have the dorky friend from their childhood who they have to kind of cast aside mm-hmm. to become popular. And My So-Called Life is kind of yeah. the same thing, too. And in My So-Called Life, it's like, well, at the end of the day, the new, cool, like, troublemaking friend, Rayanne, is not someone you can really depend on. And, like, Sharon Chersky is like she is there for her and i remember winnie holzman who created my so-called life says this i think in like the box set that like if she if they'd gotten a second season it would have been more about sharon and angela's friendship like the ray andor was kind of closed and sharon interesting would have gotten pregnant oh wow and i think when you're also when you feel like you're losing your friend you can find reasons for it like you're changing or you're becoming bad. Yeah. And it's really painful. Yeah. Um, so the other plot line in this episode happens when uh, Kim and Lindsay are in Kim's car mm-hmm. and Kim seems to hit something but drives away. And then later we find out that it was Millie's beloved dog, Goliath. Um, And (laughs) Millie is extremely upset about this Mm -hmm. situation. But then out of guilt, because she doesn't want to tell Millie, Kim sort of awkwardly befriends her, Mm. which sends Lindsay into this like real sort of soul searching. Yeah. She'd always kept Millie so separate from her cool friends. Right. Oh, it's so confusing when those worlds interlap, uh, 
inter-overlap, excuse me. Mm, I'll have some more coffee really quickly. It's annoying. It's like putting myself in Lindsay's shoes. It's like you made fun of me when I was like Millie and now you like want to be Millie's friend and you think she's going to like make you good somehow. Like I do think there's also the, the appeal to Kim of hanging out with someone who's like so pure. Yeah. And there's that actually kind of poignant scene when Lindsay confronts Kim. Yeah, I was thinking we, we should tell Millie the truth. We can't do that. We have to. Why? Because she's going to wind up getting into trouble. Why? Because she's hanging out with us? You know, what's the difference? Really hanging out with her because you feel guilty. No, I'm not. She's kind of funny. Yeah, but you don't know Millie. She's really smart and she really loves church and she loves her family a lot. And what? We're scum? No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, what are you saying, Lindsay? I just don't think we should interfere with her life. You know, what are you so worried about anyways? You know, that, that, that Millie's going to start hanging out with us and, and then you're not going to have anyone to run to when you get scared of your bad friends? Kim. And you know what? If you do tell her, kick your ass. Classic Kim <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> that scene wrapped up in a less than satisfying way. <laughs> I was like, whoa, they're getting somewhere real. And like right. She's like psychoanalyzing her and then she's just like, and by the way, see you after class. <laughs> It's also so, I mean, Kim DeFette being like, no, she's funny. Like, there's always someone you kind of keep around who you, like, don't really respect. And you probably are just, like, stringing them along and being a jerk. But you're like, they're funny. Right. But you're kind of laughing at them. them. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you're full of shit. Right. I found that scene pretty sad because all of a sudden Kim is like, wait a second. You're, You're basically saying Millie is this pure being Mm -hmm. um and what is that what does that mean you think of me right and then there's also the aspect of like it is kind of shitty to millie to want to keep her around in some way like i think like nostalgia friendship is really Mm. dangerous Mm -hmm. like there are times where i'm like what's that person up to and then i'm like you don't care about them you just want to remember who you were when you were friends with them and i think it's really unfair to like keep people around because you need to be brought back to yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't think like everything is one thing or the other. It's like I have people I'm friends with because they knew me when, but we also like still really connect. Right. But I think Kim gets at something very real when she's like, oh, now you're mad because you won't have her to run back to when you're afraid of me and all of our bad friends. Right. And starts kind of questioning the nature of her relationship with Lindsay. I feel like I've only ever otherwise had this experience with the character of Adam in season one of Girls, where the first few episodes, Kim and Adam both, I'm just like so disgusted by this. Like they just strike me as so cruel Mm -hmm. and broken. And then it turns around like, and I love them and I love how at the end of the se- of Freaks and Geeks, Kim and Lindsay, their friendship does, you know, it was real. Mm-hmm. It, she wasn't just like a Rayanne ushering her into, an, you know, like a rebellious phase. Um, they do end up embarking on something new together. I, I was going to talk about that 
scene where Millie, when she confronts Lindsay about the freaks. Mm-hmm. Hey, after school, Kim and I are going to the record store. You want to come? Uh, what? I'm going to buy some Who albums so I can sing along to the concert. You're going to the Who concert? Really, what about your parents? You know, ever since my dog died, they've been letting me do anything. Well, I'm going to go home and study for my trick test. Right, Millie? Don't you think you should study? Well, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Well, you know, blow it off. You're in mourning. You can't be expected to do homework. Good point. I guess I'm going to blow it off. Oh, my God. I'm so bad. (laughs) All right, I'll meet you out front right after school, and we'll go to the mall. And you're going to wear your big coat, right? The one with the pockets? Okay. Sealants. She loves my big coat. She's been talking about it all day. Millie, please don't wear your big coat. You know, Lindsay, when you started hanging out with him, I felt kind of bad for you because I thought you were going to turn into a dirtbag. But then I realized that you were just exploring. And now I guess I'm kind of exploring too. That scene is so interesting too because... Kim is really using Millie. She wants to use her big coat to shoplift at the mall. Mm -hmm. And Millie totally doesn't pick up on that. She loves my big coat. That's also (laughs) such a weird thing to be like, girl, love your big coat with the pockets. (laughs) Right. It even sounds ugly. Yeah. Your big coat. (laughs) Then Lindsay sort of goes back to being, tries to kind of go back to being the good girl. Right, because before Millie could be that for her, and now it's like if Millie's gonna lose it too, she has to find that sense of like stability and like not being a fuck up like somehow on her own. Yeah, so you really see how kind of precarious Lindsay's whole position in this mm-hmm. in the social strata is because she can only exist if she is between these two. Oh, that's so well put. This reminded me that I wrote a piece for rookie when i was 15 and we were like a few months in called freak like me and it's in the first rookie yearbook and it's about Lindsay and change Mm. and i quoted millie when she's like oh now i see you were just exploring and this past year i was in a play called this is our youth and there was one part where my character goes on this whole thing about how like You know, you'll look back at a letter you wrote and you won't recognize who you were in it and all of this stuff. And it's so scary. And so many friends of mine or like rookie readers or this is a little weird to say, but like multiple people who like profiled me for Mm. publications at various points in my life were like, that felt like something you would have written for rookie. And I was always like, I never really identified with that part of her. And then I went back and I found this thing I wrote where I was like, it really terrifies me that I'm going to look back and I'm not going to remember, like, I won't identify with the same things. And I think it speaks to, like, how good this show is that it captures that kind of, like, the way you are kind of constantly negotiating, like, who you've been and these kind of, like, ghosts of yourself and trying to retrace your steps and keep Millie around and not let Kim become good. And it's like a form of narcissism it's also just like the human condition especially when you're a teenager and you have all this time to be figuring out who you are right and 
in a lot of ways, the only way you can figure out who you are is by defining yourself against others mm-hmm. when you're in high school. Right. You like, have no idea who you are. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Even last night, my friend and I were walking and there were these really annoying drunk people people taking up like the whole sidewalk like it was like a group of people walking and then like a girl and guy in it were also like circling each other in the circle and I was and they were taking up the whole space and I don't care about anything so I was like uh like until they would like move and she was like sorry (laughs) and my friend was like no it's important to see I was like I hate people and she was like it's important to see people like that because you need to be able to say like well I'm never gonna be that drunk girl I remember in the in the behind the scenes of the Ghost World DVD, uh-huh. um, Thora Birch is talking about the character of Enid, and she's like, she doesn't really know who she is or like what she likes, but she knows what she doesn't like and mm-hmm. who she doesn't want to be. Yep. So you need to be able to kind of look at other people and be like, all right, well, I'm not going to be a herb like Millie. Also, not going to be a fuck up like Kim. Right. But I want to be a little bit of both. Yeah. Are there other scenes or themes that you want to? talk about is this lady out oh yes. my god that's worth watching <laughs> yeah. okay we'll do that you couldn't see through my cloud of smoke you held my heart now it's bloody and broken is your green army jack the only thing keeping you warm tonight He's riffing on his own non-existent song. <laughs> What'd you think? Well, you know, I, I, I thought I would hate it, but, you know, I kind of I kind of liked it. Really? No. <laughs> Man, that was terrible. L? Well, I couldn't use a real name. <laughs> your real name you're writing that stuff god oh man at least if i remember correctly when jordan in my so-called life sings red mm-hmm. it's like good am i wrong i don't remember um it's definitely not that painful that is i mean that is designed to be incredibly painful <sighs> lady l the green army jacket the only thing keeping you warm tonight Lindsay wasn't even really attracted to him in the first place. Mm-hmm. She kind of just dated him because he was into her. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Nick Nick is fine. Like, yeah. Nick met someone a couple years later and married her and yeah. had, like, four kids. Like, I think Seth Rogen's character will maybe continue to be, at least for a while, like, the heckler at the disco totally i love where daniel james franco ends up playing dungeons and dragons with the geeks but ken is just this sad guy yelling disco sucks yeah and doesn't really have an emotional connection to anyone but there was the one with um jessica campbell from um election they had a thing but it doesn't why why did it end? i don't remember why it ends but it doesn't work out it's 
jarring to me that that's no longer uh, a thing that I know. This show used to have so much more real estate in my brain. I'm jealous that you got to watch it before high school. I think it was really good for me. Like I had all of my like hyper organized playlists and I would walk through the halls of my high school with like Lindsay's theme playing. Oh, wow. It seems extreme to call it like religious, but I just think fictional works have always occupied a place in my life that feels really other and like when you can bring it into your reality in some way. Like I was constantly trying to recreate, not even like recreate like this is going to be like a movie guys let's go driving it'll be like perks of being a wallflower (laughs) just like you know there are a lot of people and events i don't remember but i you know i remember that bill scene really well yeah like those become they become kind of uh intertwined with your own memories and so you want to feel closer to these things that's like you know a tv show or a book or where it's like ultimately one-sided you're not able to like actually engage with a well you can go on a podcast and talk about it yes well and and i mean as we kind of bring this to a close i think that this episode is about making those connections with fictional stories and just seeing kind of that humanity because there Mm. is that scene that is really poignant when bill comes into the living room and coach fredericks is watching basketball and bill's like dallas is on and changes the channel. Mm-hmm. And at first you can tell Coach Fredericks is like really annoyed. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes that this can be a moment of connection with Bill. And Bill starts explaining to him the whole right. complicated storyline. That's Pamela. Pam, the bottom line is and Bobby. I JR's brother. What? Oh, yeah? JR's evil. So Bobby has to protect so Pamela. What? So, so Bobby's a good guy? Yeah. Yeah, but right now he's caught in a Ewing land battle. What kind of land battle? With Bobby or? Sorry. It's okay, I'll tell you there in the commercial. It ends on this kind of touching moment where they've Mm -hmm. made this connection and Bill has decided to let Coach Fredericks in. Yeah. Over Dallas. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not like I think sometimes the way I can be with like my pop culture touchstones, it's like uh, I should be able to actually connect with someone instead of talking about a TV show with them. It's like when couples get older and they use the like the dog uh, to talk about their issues. They're like, the dog is tired. okay? (laughs) but like I feel like I've definitely had arguments where I'm like. Well, I feel like in that episode, Hannah and Marnie were really just trying to get at each other. Like, because there's so much room for projection with this stuff, it can, like, become a play. It can stunt you emotionally. But I also think, like, it's this incredible source of connection. And I love the way that this episode wraps up with that. Well, on that note, (laughs) I guess we should wrap up. Yeah. Sadly, this was so super fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Rerun is produced by Jenna Weiss Berman with help from the BuzzFeed Pod Squad, Eleanor Kagan, Julia Furlan, and Heaven Gatu. Thanks to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios in New York as well. 